0: Welcome to the Founders Keepers podcast, interviews exploring stories behind the founders of change-making businesses in medtech, biotech, and health tech, and what makes those founders tick. I'm your host, Dr. Grace Hatton, and this week I'm joined by Dr. Alina Berglund, the founder and CEO of Natural Cycles. Natural Cycles is a developer of the only digital method of birth control cleared by regulators both in the US and in Europe, based in Stockholm. The company's application uses its own algorithm to predict and detect women's ovulation allowing them to prevent or plan pregnancies in a non-invasive hormone and side effect free way. Alina is a particle physicist and entrepreneur who began her career at CERN before going on to build the Natural Cycles app together with her husband, Raoul, and for which she's been a recipient of the Women in Tech Foundation's Entrepreneurial Award. In this episode, we cover working on the Hadron Collider, yes, really, making fun of her business partner and using data to drive fertility innovations. Let's get started. Alina, I'm delighted to have you on the podcast Longtime Admirer, and I read that your early interest was actually in physics rather than specifically in healthcare, so tell me about that.
1: Yes, I'm, I'm indeed originally a, a physicist, I'm a particle physicist, and I, uh, I actually wanted to become a physicist since I was like five years old, and I was obsessed with space and black holes and, and all of that, and I loved math and physics in school. So I did a, a PhD in particle physics at CERN, which is this giant accelerator outside Switzerland. And then I continued after that doing a uh, what's called a postdoc. So I continued doing research. And then I was part of the team that discovered the Higgs particle, which then led to Nobel Prize in, in 2013. And that was actually around the same time as um, as I created natural cycles. And it's, it sounds very different, women's health and particle physics, but it's both a lot about understanding data and doing data analysis. And around the time as we discovered the Higgs particle, which was um, actually in 2012, so one year before the, the Nobel Prize, uh, I had been looking for a, a natural contraceptive method myself. I had been on the hormonal implant for a decade and. I knew that we wanted to have kids in a few years time and it was time to take the implant out. And I was thinking that rather than putting in a new one, maybe it's good if I give my body a chance to get back to normal and start, you know, ovulating again before we want to get pregnant. And I was looking for a, a, a natural, effective contraceptive method, um, but didn't find any such uh, method. So. I started Googling around and doing some research and I realized that the the body temperature changes throughout the menstrual cycle after you ovulate it increases because of the progesterone in the body. And I thought, well, that's really cool. I can, you know, I can create an algorithm based on my knowledge from particle physics to figure out like when I'm ovulating, when I'm fertile, when I'm definitely not fertile, also taking like, you know, noise into account, previous cycles, etc. So, so that's kind of how it started.
0: Well, as you mentioned, pivoting from, well, particle physics and building the Hadron Collider to women's health certainly seems to me to be quite a dramatic, but nonetheless inspired move. Was it your first venture into entrepreneurship or did you have some prior experience in business development and growing a business before that?
1: No, this is definitely my first venture. But um, I'm co-founder of Natural Cycles together with my husband, who is also a physicist, but he always had a dream to discover something in physics, to some innovation that could become, uh, you know, uh, an entrepreneurship journey. I never had such a dream. I always like kind of made fun of him when he, you know, on a daily basis came up with a new idea. But this, and it was him. There was he would, that suggested that we kind of take this algorithm and make it into an app, such that women and couples could profit from this innovation worldwide. And I thought like, well, this idea is actually a good one. So um, I would love to implement that and, and create this product. Whether that leads to a company or not was um, was not the most
0: important part. You've touched on some of the details already, but at a high level, how would you describe Natural Cycles product offering and who your target customer base is?
1: So um, Natural Cycles analyzes women's body temperature and it's the um, the first and only FDA-cleared medical device as a digital contraception, and also uh, cleared in the and for a contraception in Europe and Australia, and lately also Singapore and South Korea. Um, and about eighty percent of our users use it for contraception, um, and twenty percent use it to plan pregnancy. So this is kind of like the other side of the same coin because. If you know when you're ovulating and you know when you're fertile, it's also easier to actually get pregnant. So we have we have three modes in the app, um the NC birth control, NC plan pregnancy and also NC fall pregnancy for when you do get pregnant, you can you can follow the development of of the fetus and get to know more about what's happening in your body as well. So these are the three products we We offer today, but it's one app, one subscription, so you can switch freely between the different modes.
0: I have had similar conversations with entrepreneurs who have built businesses from identifying an unmet need that they themselves needed to be met. And so often they are the beta tester for their own product. I understand this was also the case for you. You were natural cycles, patient zero. (laughs)
1: Yes. Um, we, we used it initially to prevent pregnancy ourselves. But when we were ready to actually try to get pregnant, we were a little bit worried that, well, if we're getting pregnant, no one believes that our product works. So we we were bold enough to write on Twitter exactly when we would start trying for, uh, well, what became our daughter. Um, and we were lucky enough to get pregnant exactly on the first try. So she's born nine months later and we often call her the, the first natural cycles baby. And now she's turning nine next month. So it's, uh, yeah, time flies.
0: It is for sure a novel marketing strategy. Did you encounter any pushback at all from that approach? Or did you feel that there was a misunderstanding in the product offering, given that the app aims to both support those users intending to conceive, but also be an aid to pregnancy prevention to others?
1: Yeah, there is a lot of uh, skepticism, especially in women's health in general, I would say, because it's such a sensitive topic and especially when it comes to contraception um, so we also initially we, we got quite a bit of pushbacks especially for from um i would say from midwives in sweden which was our first market um, but now we've really come a long way since then and we we've now published 16 clinical studies uh, a lot of them about the effectiveness of natural cycles which is um 93 effective with typical use and ninety eight percent effective with perfect use, meaning that um, the difference between the two is whether you actually use protection when the app tells you that you might be fertile um, and this is similarly to the contraceptive pill, which with typical use also ninety three percent effective um, less effective than an i u d that or an implant that's inside your body you can completely forget about it, but more effective than say the condom alone or or other like uh, simple calendar methods. Um, and since we now have such a big body of evidence when it comes to effectiveness, as well as um, you know, we've been around now for, for more than 10 years and indeed like we've gotten all the regulatory clearances. So we have like auditors that audit us every year. Um, it's, uh, I think now we've broken through that skepticism by doing the right things in the end.
0: And as you've said, the company is now 10 years old, and so quite a seasoned market player. But the fertility tech market itself is becoming increasingly saturated. So is it this emphasis on building an evidence base and seeking FDA clearance, specifically what you feel differentiates natural cycles from its competitors?
1: Yeah, I think we're quite special in that way that we, we really went more to become a medical device. So we do have the regulatory clearances and indeed doing the clinical evidence. And solving the need of a of a natural uh, contraceptive method we're kind of alone in that space um, but then of course like uh, there are a lot of period tracking apps and fertility tracking apps out there uh, but another way we're differentiated is also because we are not free so you do pay for natural cycles um in the us it's uh, hundred dollars a year and it includes a thermometer um in the uk I think it's 60 pounds a year, if I don't, or 50 pounds a year, if I remember correctly. And that way, that makes a big difference. Also, when it comes to, for instance, data privacy, because we would never sell a customer's data because we're not incentivized to, because our customers are the ones that pay us, whether if you have free customers or your free app, like Facebook, for instance, a free app, you have to monetize in a different way, like either with ads or selling the data in a different way. So we are quite different I would say than than the other peer trackers out there.
0: And going back to that market saturation, I wonder if you can tell me about some of the investors you partner with. How did you initially demonstrate that they could trust you with their money?
1: Well, I think yeah, for everyone that's been fundraising, it's um you have to have a lot of resilience. You know, you have to meet with a lot of investors, you have to pitch and and really explain to them why you're solving a problem or or why you think, you know, your business model will work and when we started doing this in um in 2013 i guess it was it was also quite special to actually charge for a, a subscription for an app like it was kind of only spotify that was doing it at the moment the norm was to be a free app but we wanted to be different already from the start and there were a lot of investors that were skeptical they said but just give it out for free and then um, you know you'll monetize later but now Many years later, I'm very happy that we also dare to be different in that respect and also dare to do the right thing with the clinical studies and the and the regulatory clearances, even though it probably slowed us down in other ways. I think it was it was good for the long term.
0: Have there been any of the particular standout challenges that you faced to date as a business founder?
1: Well, I think figuring out the regulatory part was a big challenge uh, in the beginning because since there there were no apps that were medical devices at that time, we really had to create our own path so, like with the f d a for instance, we had to do a de novo process, which means that you know no one has done this before, so it took a lot longer uh and then indeed, like also a lot of struggles with um especially with the u k press like they were at some point i think it was in 2018 they were really out to get us for for some reason and that really impacted our growth in the uk specifically um unfortunately
0: has the uk and beyond uk press response become more positive over time do you feel
1: uh, yeah definitely um but i think it's something that we've been a little bit scarred with so we're constantly like keeping an eye on it uh, and we still see like articles pop up left and right sometimes where we see a lot of errors and things that are just simply not true but we do have a great comms person now that she she doesn't hesitate to like write emails to the journalists and the editors and like ask for corrections uh which we didn't dare to do in 2018 we were like oh they wrote this about us which is not true but we don't dare to upset them by (laughs) by contacting them and this this was not the best strategy we had then so we've learned
0: over time. And do you think this criticism stems from fundamental misinterpretation of the data and what you offer and perhaps the lack of a drug or drug product that should be taken or used, given what I would say is our entrenched socialized understanding of pharmaceutical contraceptive use? You're not giving someone a pill to take.
1: I do think it comes from a um a mistrust of the women initially, because what we do is really to give the power in women's hands. We tell them when they're fertile or not, and, and then they um their actions make the difference if they use protection when they're fertile but i don't think that the unfortunately a large part of society doesn't trust women to have this knowledge in their hands and they would be more comfortable with something external like the hormonal contraception like that just shuts off the cycle then they feel like oh this is this is safer but now when we measure it we do see that Uh, This is really not true. Like One thing we heard a lot in the beginning was that, well, younger women are not going to be able to handle this product. Now, we're only cleared for women above 18, so we only have users that are 18 and older. But we see that the, the youngest cohorts, those that are between 18 and 25, they actually use the product much better than, say, those that are between 30 and 35. And they get pregnant less, much because, you know, the women that are 30, 35, they're probably okay on getting pregnant, some of them, and they're like, okay, maybe I'm planning a pregnancy in a year from now. But would it happen today? It's not a disaster. So then they, they are less good at being compliant or using protection on those red days. But again, it's up to the woman how she wants to use
0: this product,
1: product, and how she sees fit. Uh, and clearly, women are smart enough
0: to be able to handle <laughs> this knowledge. Well, we've covered some of the current challenges in the industry, but what would you say you're most optimistic about regarding the future of fertility tech?
1: well we uh, we got an additional Fda clearance um, with integrating with wearables, so we launched the integration with the aura ring a year ago, so instead of measuring your temperature when you wake up in the morning, you instead sleep with the wearable that measures your temperature during the night and also your heart rate and then our algorithm takes that into account and gives you your fertility status of the day and there we see that it helps a lot of users that sometimes you know, uh, forgot to take their temperature in the morning. Cause you have to remember something, um, first when you wake up, which can be challenging. So it's very nice user experience that you just sleep with it. And then, you know, you, you get your fertility status, which is really nice. And now we're working on expanding this. So not just offering the aura Ring, but also other wearables. And we find this very exciting because like, you know, many women are getting uh are using wearables today and probably even more in the future so then it would be very seamless for them to to use natural cycles with a wearable they already own for instance
0: and as company ceo can you tell me what does a typical work day look like for you if such a typical day exists
1: so we have uh, we have offices in uh, in the east coast in the us so here in new york where i'm based and in europe where we have uh, a larger office in stockholm and a Uh, a data science office in in Geneva with more particle physicists like myself. So it means that we have a lot of meetings for me in the morning. So I usually start at 8am with meetings. Uh, I mean, now it's uh, lunchtime here. I'm (laughs) still in meetings for a while longer. But so usually like from 8am until at some point around lunchtime, I mainly have meetings. And then I get a little bit of a break and I have a A chance to like align with uh, my co founder and husband, like, you know, different projects and different meetings, how it went. And then usually I have like one or two just US based meetings in the afternoon, but also then a chance to actually do something. And what I like to do the best is still to look at data. So I I would say I, I probably spend at least an hour a day to still look at data because that's still truly my passion. I feel also very valuable for the business because I still keep up to date on like all the insights from the users and from the the temperatures and also like just how our business is doing. So uh, that's what I like the most when I get a break from meetings and can stare at the
0: data for a while.
1: I do think it has helped that um that we're both scientists as founders because you know it helps with like, that critical thinking and especially for natural cycles, building up that um body of evidence. Um but also I think with I think the resilience part has been very important because it, it has I think no startup ever is, but hasn't been a straight path to success in by any means. So then you have to just like really work through those down spells and and you know not give up and for me i've always known that the product that we we're developing in natural cycles is something that women want and women need and that's my ultimate motivation and then i i will overcome any obstacles with this in mind
0: do you think you would do anything differently if you were to start again
1: Ooh, good question i mean for sure we've done our our um we've made mistakes along the way as well. Like for instance, in we raised our series B in 2017. And then when we got um, this issue with the UK press in 2018, it's affected our growth, but we kept hiring uh, for the team a while longer. And if I would do it differently today, I would probably have stopped hiring much earlier and said like, okay, we're not growing anymore right now. Let's us the hiring and the spending until we figured this out but it took us a while to like really realize this and and uh, we had to do a downsizing in, in 2019 um and since then i feel like everything has gone really well so now we have like four years behind us of nice growth amazing team um but that's probably one thing that i would have reacted on earlier
0: and lastly, is there any other advice that you would give to would-be business founders?
1: Well, I think like it's important to find something that you're really passionate about and like follow that passion. Because if you do, then it will be much easier to overcome any potential obstacles on your journey. Um, but if you're kind of creating a company for the sake of creating a company, I fear that it might be tougher on you. But if you do something that you really, truly love and you're passionate about you're already halfway there.
0: I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Founders Keepers. And if you have, please consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a review on whatever listening platform you are using. Be sure to tune in next time for another Founders Story.